What up? There you go. My fart. Uh, what is that? Uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to 412 because I have a title already. Okay. Which is, how hard is it for one to do a beer show? <laughs> okay. Credit to Mad Magazine for their Star Trek 2 movie parody. Okay. Where I first That's heard that decent. Pun. It's a bummer that, you know, we have 412 is Pittsburgh's area code, so, you know, we could have... Yeah, you don't care. Uh, I have pride in my hometown. You're a 724 now, aren't you? That's an overlay area code. Pittsburgh is... When I was born, it was 412. Who cares? America. America doesn't care. Guarantee. <laughs> um, let's see. So, you mentioned... Did you mention, so for those of you who didn't listen to the uh, post show last week, we forgive you. I'm probably not even going to post it. Um, I I didn't get last week's shows up yet. You you may know that. But uh, yeah, I'm not planning on posting the post show. Uh, The reason was because the post show, Nick was here. We decided to play a board game. We were going to try to do like bullshit while we play the board game, but... The board game took too much thought. We had never played the board game before, so we had to kind of talk each other through it. Yeah. And it was a fun board game. I, I'd definitely be willing to play it again. But uh, not yeah. not trying to also provide compelling listening material. Yeah. Um, Cake Boss Hazelnut Biscotti. <laughs> Cake Boss. Cake Boss. Cake Boss. <laughs> Hazelnut Biscotti. Cake Boss. Cake bus. 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 Wait, who started? I don't know. The person who started is not the person who finishes. <laughs> Otherwise, it just becomes infinite. Cake bus. Okay. Um, the. So you had one of these. <laughs> well, I didn't. I had the buttercream version. Right. Of it this a this, weeks is, this ago. is a, a Keurig K uh, cup, yeah. I did not have the hazelnut biscotti. I took a picture of it for you because we had mm. talked about the buttercream, which I did have because I could not yeah. ignore the nonsense of cake boss. Cake boss. Buttercream <laughs> coffee. Because you know what? When I want a good cup of coffee, who do I think of? Cake boss. Cake boss. Yeah, me neither. This is what I thought of during the show, because uh, you mentioned dust at some point. Uh, I, I read a question which uh, had an interesting answer, which I hadn't really considered, but uh, the answer makes sense. Because um, we know when when you, when you hear about the, you must have learned about this, I'm sure. Dust in your house. Most dust is composed of. Uh, okay, so I have a guess, mm-hmm. and then I have a. So I have a okay. So I have two two things. Yes, there is the guess based on what I th- think the answer is because of what I've heard in my life, 
And then there's probably a guess based on what I can see. And so the guess on what I've heard through my life is like skin cells, dander, stuff like that. As far as from what I understand, that is correct. Most dust in your house comes from skin cells and dander. When I see dust like floating around, you can actually like resolve it. It seems like it's more like little stringy, hairy things and not flecks of skin cells. Well, I'm, it's not skin cells. It's pieces of skin cells, right? But it seems more stringy, like a little piece of cotton. Or yeah, I'm not saying dust is cotton. Dust is well, not cotton. Keep, but... keep this in mind, okay? To tear a little piece of paper. In fact, you yeah. make sure. Like on a Saturday morning when you're sitting in a sunny window and you see all the dust floating around, you're like, how am I not dead for all this stuff floating in my house? Right. But when you see that stuff, it's not, they're not specks. They are threads. Why do you think they're not specks? Well, because they look like threads. Why do you think they're threads? Because they look like threads. But why do you think they become threads? Because they're lint from clothes or they are... No. Dust bunnies, which are from what? What are dust bunnies from? They're... Well, let me let me ask you this question. Why does a ant... So, let me go back. I did have the logical part yeah. and then the observational thing, and they were different. Okay, what's, like, what's the... Well, it sounds like the logical part was accurate, which... From the books that I have right. read, it sounds like it should be skin stuff. Mm-hmm. From the observational part that I have experienced, it seems like that doesn't look like skin. It looks like yes, other stuff. Yes. Now, the question is, why does that look like strands or balls or stuff? Yeah. Well, ask yourself why an ant can walk on a ceiling. <sighs> okay. Right? I mean, just same like. But I, they don't look like balls. My finger can't pick up a piece of paper, but if I put my finger to a little tiny speck of paper, it picks it up just fine. Well, that's just electromagnetic. Okay. Attraction. That's you doing know, that. my, my observational uh, frame of reference is probably distorted, and that mm. is because I have huge amounts of floaters in my eyes. Mm. So right now, I see. Stringy strand things. Okay, no, I don't see those. I see those. I see them right now. I see them all the time, everywhere. Hmm. And you also have you wear contacts. There's... Well, no, no, the floaters are separate from that. <coughs> but the, but I mean, your eyes are weird. If you if you look up at the sky, do you ever see like? Any oh, I floaters? see them, sure. I, yeah, I, but they're no, I, they're they're very rare. There's, I, there's one right there. There's one right there. I can I I can see right them there. if I if I really like look for them and I look at something plain. Right. Like, even now, look at something plain. I don't see them. I have to kind of... If I jiggle my eyes a little bit. No. Look at this. Uh... So, like, when my optometrist, you know, looks at my eyes, he can see the floaters, right? You know, no, so... I, I don't have a lot of floaters. I mean, I just... I have good eyes. Yeah. That, that's the only good thing in my body. <laughs> but they, they have remained good for 40 years. So... They used to be awesome They used to be awesome, yeah. Now they're just good. But, hey. Like a... I think I'm getting to the point where I might need, like bifocal contacts or something mm. like that so anyway uh the question that was asked was all right so d- dust in, in most people's houses comes from skin cells and various other you know dandruff like is it what about when you go into an old house people haven't lived in it for 100 years where does that dust come from 
a house that no one's been in for a hundred years. Yeah. It's comes from the stuff in the house. I don't know. That's part of the answer. Yes, outgassing stuff in the house disintegrates, and the other thing is insects. Insects deteriorate just like we uh-huh. do, and they turn to dust and stuff. So, yeah, it's something that I didn't even think about. I was like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Bugs will get in there, die, go through a process, and turn into dust. And all we are is dust in the wind. I mean, some of it's probably mold spores. Even though sure. you probably can't see that unless they're you know clumped on other but, things. But again, things clump. Yeah. Um. So yeah. This I thought was a good. This thing is a good presentation for sure. asking somebody why. Somebody asks why bugs can do that. This is always my, one of my favorite thing because it really isn't that special. Because you can do it too. So it's is just, that you're not used to it? I always thought. Yeah, you used to so think about it. Like you that. have a piece of paper. Yep. That is. If you have a hole punch, it's it's a little bit bigger than yeah. that. Okay, and he touches his finger to it and he can lift it up. Yeah. And you're saying that's electromagnetic. Mm-hmm. I I would have thought at that scale that was like stickiness of your skin, like oil or something. Well, like I mean, that. there's probably some, some kind of. That I, thought, I would have thought it too. was more surface tension of skin oils. That, than... That's probably there's probably some for that, for something this big. There probably is some aspect of that too. If I take a really small piece though, like that, the vast majority uh, of sure. that is is electromagnetic. The yeah. vast majority. I was mean, just pointing out yeah. it, the mm-hmm. piece you had before. I would have thought, yeah, this there... is this is pretty big, so there's probably some stickiness associated with with my skin. But, th- sticky, but this... what is stickiness? Stickiness yeah. is the surface tension of some kind of fluid, right? right I mean, right. is right. that a good way to define it? Yeah, I would say so. It, it's it's the tendency of a fluid to uh, to to attract itself to to, to multiple surfaces. Um, but yeah, th- this thing with this tiny piece, which is like a uh, an eighth of that. Hole punch piece that very easily. Well, that actually didn't that stick stuck to that thing. But I've put a little pressure on it in there. That easily sticks to my finger. With that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say where the, the issue but threshold that, is. But that's electromagnetics all the way. If you say so, I, I I don't know where I could drop the threshold, but if you say so, <clears throat> let me find something to play. Find some music. Find some music to play. So, did you listen to Trump, Trump's speech? I read it. I didn't listen to it. It um, it, it was the same old campaign shit, right? It yep. was. That shit's gonna get real old real quick. He's gonna he's gonna find himself. Uh, pretty... It's it it's sound. It's the kind of thing that. Sounds good until you ask yourself, how the fuck is that gonna actually going to happen? How are you going to accomplish that? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is that, that that's kind of that's, that stuff is going to. I mean, you know, let's, you know, I'm paraphrasing because he really didn't say this, but it's like, sure, let's make everything better, but let's make America better first. How can you not get behind that? You know, mm-hmm. even you can get behind that. If it's possible. Sure. Right? Well, I mean, that vagary. It's... Well, but that that's that's the limit of what we're ever going to get from this asshole. Yeah. 
there's nothing to talk about really because it, it, it's all fucking stupid and it's all silly and until there's something ridiculous really to talk about I don't I don't have anything to say other than you know I I, uh, I am very 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 against everything that, that Trump stands for I did discover yesterday that Barack Obama's Twitter account follows me. <laughs> Which one, POTUS44 or Barack Obama? Barack Obama. Follows me. <coughs> Congrats, I guess. He only follows like, was it 300,000 people, 600,000 people? But I'm one of them! <laughs> I, can't, I can't even remember like... If I remember, like, how that happened. Like, if I did an at Barack Obama and I got an automatic yeah, reply. Else in this, sorry. That must have been what happened, but... Or maybe Barry just like CBR? Maybe. Hey, if... We'd love to have him on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with the new uh, WTF Mark Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely... Uh... Up our listenership. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Give him the push show. Hey B, what's up? Okay, um Like I said in my tweets today though, you know, Trump's America's been pretty good so far. <laughs> in was, the two days? It was sixty degrees today in Pittsburgh right. on January twenty first. That was nice. Um Allison won her first indoor soccer game of the season. Right. right. She was zero ten and two in o- Obama's America. Thanks, Obama. Exactly. So, you know, I'm digging Trump's America right now. I think that'll probably end tomorrow, but I'm digging it today. I've got a religious joke for you. Okay. A religious philosophy joke. Oh, religious. Tell me the joke, but don't let me forget the... Uh, say, Jeff, tell me the other thing. Okay, so the the joke has to do with if you if you hang out in sort of religious debate, religious philosophy circles, oh. and you'll hear lots of stuff about... Um, what Jesus actually means, you know, the the the, the meaning of of God and ter- blah blah blah, all that other stuff. Um, the joke is blah blah, blah. yeah, because blah, 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 blah. The, wait, you hear the joke? Okay, so the joke is based on uh, what the fuck is this music? This, this is the Inception soundtrack. Fuck that! All right, I'm trying to find something that was that was like neutral. Play some. Cake, seven, I don't know. Just play something good. Okay, all right. Pixies, put the pixies on. Okay, I'll put the pixies Fire on. Fire that shit up. Um, it's pavement. I don't give a shit. Just put, don't play Inception. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Hold on. How come... What's going on here with the Amazon Music? Why are you being a dick, Amazon Music? <laughs> Fuck you, Amazon Music. Fuck you. Fuck you. Go back to Spotify. No, not uploaded. That's probably the problem. I just want all artists. I'll go to. Did you upload stuff in Amazon? Like, like say I already own this. Give me access to it. Did you do that? Yeah, but like some of that fish center stuff I was playing. Oh, okay. It was SF that I uploaded to. Uh, I never tried that. I mean, I have a ton of MP3s, but the 
the interesting thing was when I signed up for Amazon Music was, you know, I I purchased maybe five CDs through Amazon, you know, since like 1998 or whenever I became a member. And when I signed up for Amazon Music, all those CDs were in there. You know, I could imagine like how awesome that would be if you had bought hundreds of CDs through Amazon. But, you know, like, I bought, like, three, and then, like, two of them were, like, Heather's. So, like, there's, like, a Martina McBride CD in my my music. I'm like, if I remove this, will, like, the MP3s be gone forever? Can Heather get them back if she ever wants them, you know? So, like, I haven't removed them. So, like, in my, like, library, like, I got, like, Garth Brooks and mm. Martina McBride. Lovely. Yeah. Okay, so, God joke. Blah, okay, blah, blah. so blah blah blah. So the God joke is um, put yourself in, in a uh, in a biblical perspective. <coughs> and Jesus asked, "And whom do you say I am?" And they answered, "You are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the ontological foundation of the context of our very selfhood revealed." And Jesus said. What? <laughs> I, I don't know what most of the words meant either, but ha, 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 I get it. You get it. I get the gist of the joke. Yeah. Okay, so mine's better. <laughs> Today, Max was outside playing with his best friend. Like, I dare say his best friend who lives down the street. Mm-hmm. And Wait, his best friend or his best friend who lives down the street? His best friend who, who also lives down the street. Category, who, as a category. His best friend, period. His best friend, period. And as a... He lives down the street. Okay. Which makes it a little more awkward, I guess, in the way the story is going to go. His name is Bobby. Bobby asks Max, Max, do you love Jesus? And Max says, not really. And Bobby's like, that's bad. And then he told Max he's going to go to hell if he doesn't go to church. So like a seven-year-old told a six-year-old he's going to go to hell for not loving Jesus. Them's them's what happens when you teach the kids that. (laughs) So I had a talk with Max this afternoon Mm. about Jesus and God and what Mm. Mommy and Daddy think. Mm-hmm. But fuck evangelicals. Well, when you teach your kid that in order to scare them, whatever, they're gonna <coughs> excuse me. They're gonna tell other kids. Now, here's the question: You guys still um, still tell your kids? Even Allie still believes in Santa in some sense, right? Don't you think Max would be telling other kids if you're not if you're not good, then Santa's not going to get you presents for Christmas? Yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. And for kids, probably the same thing. Oh yeah, the kid's not thinking yeah. about eternal damnation. Yeah, he's but, not, but he's I not was having at, an existential crisis. I was in the garage, you know, because like for today's the first nice day, and like when the weather's shitty, like when I put stuff out in the garage, I kind of like, open the door, reach my arm out onto the shelf, and just. Push it in until it doesn't fit anymore. Today was the day where I'm putting everything back where it belongs. Right. And yeah, so I'm in the garage. I got some music playing. And yeah, I hear I over 
you know, it's a classic Twitter OH overheard, right? Max, do you love Jesus? Not really. That's bad, Max. Mm. That's really bad. <laughs> but, you know, Max's point of view is he's... Okay, so he went to preschool. Mm-hmm. His first year of preschool went to a, a church preschool. Because it was much cheaper than the uh, township, you know, the, the secular preschool. Sure. And when Allie went, the preschool was good. But Max's year was like, he did not learn as much of the educational alphabet numbers. Mm-hmm. He just learned Jesus stuff? They did not learn as much of the educational stuff as Allie did. So for Max's second year of preschool, we sent him, paid more, we sent him to the secular preschool. And it went well. But I mean, that's Max's only... That and kids talking are his only exposure to religious stuff. Yep, yep. I thought he handled it well. <laughs> you know, like, like, could you imagine what kind of weird question is? Max, do you love Jesus? Like, I barely know the dude. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard about him. I heard about it's him. It's like, you know, Jeff, do you love uh, King Louis VIII? <laughs> I've heard of him. Not really. Seemed like a dick. Yeah. Or, okay, like, do you love Martin Luther King Jr.? I mean, I'm glad he happened. Sounds like a good guy. Yeah, and I don't know. Love seems a little extreme. I think it's very important for humanity what he did. More so than Jesus. Um, At least for modern humanity. I mean, because, like, I'm not sure how much of Jesus is fact versus fairy tale. Yeah. Where I'm pretty sure Martin Luther King is... I can't even say for certain that Jesus existed. I think something like Jesus probably had to exist but there were lots of candidates for that kind of thing and very clearly it's a mythology uh, created you know on top of something it's very joseph smithy right i mean you know take take that's some that's a good character. question i mean i have i don't know how deeply i've pondered the existence of jesus h christ right and then <laughs> I mean, what other official name are you going to give him? Well, his his real name would have been Yeshua of Nazareth. Okay, Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeshua bin... Actually, his real name probably would have been Yeshua bin Yosef. Because... uh, Of of Joseph. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... I... Or Ben, probably Ben, because I'd be so, so I haven't really looked, I haven't researched this. And you know how I've figured out my faith right. over the years. I need more water, actually. <laughs> Do you want me to, there's oh, there's more water, cool. Behind my computer. I've, um, I've presumed there was a guy. Who is preaching stuff? Who well, plenty of guys preaching stuff. Well, I pre I, the Jesus, Jesus, Ben Husef has. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was no G's. There was no J sound back then. It was a Yeshua. 
Yeshua. Okay. That that has got Latinized into into Jesus, but yeah, it would have been a Yeshua. How's that different from Joshua then? It really isn't. Joshua okay. is a yeah. It's okay. Joshua. I figured there was a guy that, as an adult, told a story. Those same stories that are in the Bible? All of them? No. no. You don't have to corner me here, Greg. I, I, I want to know, because well, you're not being very... No. no, but I think there was a dude who had a following while he was living... And he, he he might have been Jerry Falwell of the uh-huh. the hundreds, you know. Um, there was a dude with a scam doing his thing, but I've always presumed that if the technology was available, this dude could be tracked down. And what would you find if you found said dude? You would not find a divine being, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You find a dude who was playing on the wants and desires of humans to figure out where they came from. I think you would find a. Um... But you were saying there may not have been a de facto dude. There may have been a bunch of dudes who all combined into a story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's possible. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not arguing any belief here. I'm just saying, you know, my assumption at the point was, you know, history or you know, archiving and historical stuff was good enough in human culture at that time that there probably was a guy that had this following. There's no record. Of there being okay. said dude, of said dude existing, said dude being executed, said dude having really, evil. yeah, yeah. There's no record. Um, no records were pretty poor back then, and there is you could make the case that enemies wanted to destroy those records, and so those records were destroyed. You could make the case, however, that it's, an, it's not a positive case; it's a negative case. Um. But so there where, is, where do you think the notion of the dude came from? Then? Did well, it come in the 5th, 6th century? Or? No, well, like I said, I, I, I think that there is probably uh, a dude of some sort that, that is kind of based on. Uh, I, I don't... I, I, I think it's an embellishment of, of probably some character that, they, that someone found. Because if you look at Christianity, Christianity was not created by Jesus. Christianity was created by Paul. It's very clear that Paul was the one who spread this thing. There was a small cult of a sort, and then Paul came around, and Paul made the big gestures to, to, to make it larger. And then it was, I think, uh, Emperor Augustine who turned it into the big thing that okay. became today. I mean, obviously you're more researched than I am on this. Yeah. I... Paul never considered Jesus to be, at least from, from his writings, never considered Jesus to be a real person. Paul never encountered Jesus. Paul had visions of Jesus. Paul considered Jesus to be a spiritual being only, and not a uh, and, and not a physical being. Um, <laughs> oh shit! So it there, uh, it's a whole bunch of of things being mashed together, and then we so it's do with an agenda. Yeah, I was hoping for a more earnest. Uh figure out where we came from type thing you know at the very minimum you know like 
Not that I was going to place my belief structure in it, mm-hmm. but I was hoping there was a more earnest origin story. Well, I mean, if you look at the origins of, of most monotheisms, they, they go come down to this. I'm, Judaism, you know, the Abrahamic religions were originally polytheistic, and they turned monotheistic as political things you know, became more important. Um, you know, Judaism, or at least the start, what became Judaism was a polytheistic religion that got taken over by the so-called Yahwists that made Yahweh the most important thing and then got rid of all the other gods. In fact, the, 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 if you read the original parts, you know, of, 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 of like Genesis, for example, they talk about a we and they talk about a, a, like almost like a council of gods. It's pretty clear there are multiple gods there, but then they just sort of edited out poorly. Uh, and, and it's also very clear from, from archaeological expedition, expeditions that various parts of the Bible were, of the, you know, the, you know, especially the Old Testament, were, were mixed together and pushed together. And then the New Testament itself is, is, is cobbled together from various things that were declared apocryphal by the church and declared canonical by the church. There's the whole Nicene Creed where certain things were declared to be right and certain things were declared to be thrown away and you know, gospel, dire gospels and things that were thrown away. Because they wanted to get some sort of political agenda and some right. thing. Now, that, I mean, that's the way things work in general, and you shouldn't expect that to be to be different. But that's that's not, and and you know, that, that's a political ideology. That's not a genuine historical thing. So there's very little history in the Bible other than. The fact that there are certain places and names that are correct, but you you know you can read Spider-Man uh, comic books and they talk about New York. <laughs> so okay, I mean that doesn't mean that Spider-Man exists just because Spider-Man comics talk about New York. Uh, the Bible talks about places that actually exist, including people that, as far as we know, actually exist. Pontius Pilate, for example. Uh, that doesn't mean that. Um, the Bible is true just because it talks about various places and people that may have actually existed. Interesting. Um, so, so what? What would it need to be to to prove that there was a uh, Yeshua of Ben Joseph? Right? Like, is yeah. there tax reports from that era, or like? I mean, it's it's hard to get a. a, a Multiple concurrent non-religious accounts, multiple concurrent secular accounts that verify that that were from different sources that talked about that, that mentioned them would be enough to be relatively convincing for the standards of evidence for that period of time. That you know, like for example, just using the Bible as your source of information right. does not accomplish anything because it's all when so you said Paul was the guy who propagated mm-hmm. this when did he live so Paul uh, let's see the, the, let me get these dates right Paul uh, was you know, originally his name is Saul then he became Paul so he was around 85 to 67 but he was originally a persecutor of Christians who then became a Christian himself after having the uh, road to Damascus incident. But he uh, never uh, encountered uh, Jesus or anything like that. He had a, a 
So he, he was born five years after Jesus. Well, so they could have overlapped. Well, remember that. Roughly. <laughs> yeah. But Paul never said, never mentioned or said that he ever met Jesus. He only met Jesus in dreams, in, in holy visions. He never encountered Jesus. That's... That, that's a crazy place to be in, right? Because, like... Okay, so this dude is spinning a story <coughs> that has lasted two thousand years. Mm-hmm. It, he could not have had any expectation that he was starting such a Rolling Stone. Well, I mean, <coughs> the primary uh, stuff—if you read the the Gospels—Jesus was was talking about how the you know. Truly, I say to you, the, the end will come to pass within the lifetime, within your lifetime. She was talking to people about the, that the end of the world was going to happen right away. Uh, it, there was no well, expectation. We've talked about that before. Everyone wants the end of the world to happen. But there was it. no expectation this was going to last thousands of years. No, the world was going to end really, really, really soon, and the kingdom of God was going to come. Um, no, there, there was no... I don't, I don't think Paul wanted this to be a... A religion that lasted for the ages. Um, he wanted to live in a special time. Well, every, well, doesn't everybody like I said? But he was he built he was building a church, but a church that he didn't that he didn't think was going to that I expected to think was going to last forever because he expected. Well, it's, it's, you know, we also can't really appreciate that environment, right? Because no, no. Pre science, pre science. The culture was radically different. The, I mean, his views on women are. are <laughs> uh, uh. Um, Should they be able to park cars? <laughs> I don't think you would have approved. Other things like, you know, women should be quiet and listen to them. I mean, yeah, those kind of things. Right. Um, but, um, I know that that that's not so much important. The, the the important thing is that look at look at it this way. If you look at polytheism versus monotheism, to me polytheism is more attractive. And because you have different forces, right? You have there is, actually it lines a little bit better with science. Exactly, exactly. There is the concept of. There are things and there are certain elements and they're different from each other. And you're examining them in that sense. There's not, well, I can't explain this, so we're going to call this God. There's splitting up things into various different properties. This seems different than that. Yeah. But we don't know either. Right. We don't know, but at least we know this has effect on this, this has effect on this, and they're not, you know... And they're I mean, maybe they have relations in in, in Godland, but they're not really related here because uh, they're two different things. So, like the polytheistic notions, to me, tracks better. That's like more how I would see the world than than a monotheism. Where, well, I can't answer that, so it must be some some unanswerable question. I would love to have viewed my conversation with Max today yeah. from his point of view. 
Oh well, because <laughs> por- part of it, I would love for you to just be able to like view it as well. Because you know, like one of the things that, that I had brought up was you know, Daddy and Mommy believe that science explains things, but a six-year-old doesn't know what science is. Right? Yeah. Right. And also, and then like, well, the other people believe that you know we have to use God to explain things, but we feel that science does it better. Yeah, science does it better is is not is better than science explains things. Science does the best job we can of explaining things. Science doesn't explain things. Science gets as far as we can. Again, I'm talking to a yeah, six year old who right. has a very vague concept of science right, right now. Yeah. I talked about experiments. Right, and here's here's the interesting thing about another thing about polytheism versus monotheism. Monotheism makes it all about us. It's all about humans, whereas polytheism doesn't. It's about the environment. Well, polytheism, there's, about it doesn't have to be about people. It can be about things entirely different than people. The humans just have to be a part of it. Monotheism, it all seems to be, at least the ones that I'm familiar with, all seem to be focused on, it's all here for us. Even, like, the extreme, uh, extreme, like... You can see why people like that, though. Well, yeah, of course, it's it's very, it's very egotistical. Good story to tell. Uh, but even in the extreme, like, Calvinist philosophy where there's universal depravity and everyone's awful and there's universal sin and all that shit, it's still all about us. This vast, incredible universe, all for these little tiny creatures on this little moat of dust in this... really isn't apparent how tiny and motive we are. No, it isn't apparent without study how tiny we are. Yet, the polytheistic notion allows for that possibility. The monotheistic notion... It, it, like it, if you, it elevates the stature of yourself. Yeah, I know. I get that. We haven't had any good religious talk in like years, man. <laughs> no, my kids are here for you know, yeah. Now that my my son's best friend is trying to evangelize him and tell him he's going to hell, actually said you're going to go to hell if you don't go to church. Well, that's what he's being told. I, I remember yeah. I, I was on a. I was on a bus once when I was a kid. <laughs> Excuse me. But I, I love your point. You can get handle your coughing. I love your point where, flip it, where if Max is talking to a kid and says, if you're bad, you're not going to get any presents from Santa Claus. Same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's insightful. I hadn't... I like that. I mean, that's... It helps, at least for people who aren't <laughs> devout. Yeah, I'm sure there's some people listening who aren't going to see it this way. Well, that, that's me, the way the kids are looking at it. To me, they're analogous. I mean, but the, other than the the cultural weight that it has, mm-hmm. you help me strip out the cultural weight. And it's the exact same thing. Yeah. Where it, before I hadn't stripped out the cultural weight, and I'm like, kid told Max he's going to hell. <laughs> His friend told him he's going to hell. Yeah. Like, fuck. 
you know. But it, that could be just going to Jersey as far as, far as Max is concerned. Exactly. Max doesn't know what yeah. the hell is or has any conception of an infinite torture or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 someone tells him it tells him it's a bad place and he thinks, oh, like, 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 like when I had to go to, to the doctor, the get doc- a shot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the way that kids are looking at it is, is very, very different from the way yeah. you and I would look at it. Um, so because, I you know, the way that when we hear that, we hear that you're, you're a threat, basically. A, well, a damned soul. Yeah. You're lesser than me. Right. You know, that's what we hear. Where they hear you're going, literally going somewhere. So, it's not as heavy. It's not, no, no. But hearing a seven year seven year old tell my six year old that he's a damn soul is like, oh my god. <laughs> if, if he sat him down and said, Okay, let's have a Bible study then I'd be more worried about it. But um, yeah. the beginning I thought it was amusing at first, Max, do you love Jesus? No, not really. <laughs> oh, that's bad. The, the thing is, why would that come up? Right, I mean, it's gotta be. That's the kind of thing that I would talk to the parents about, being like, "Look, you know, you can teach your kid whatever you want to, but don't tell have your kid tell my kid about what he should love and what he shouldn't love." That's the problem with evangelical evangelism, right? It's that's the core tenant of their structure is to evangelize to people who are non-believers. Where I grew up Catholic, right? Catholics like, come on in, be part of the club. People that aren't in the club, fuck them. We don't talk about them at all, ever. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, evangelicals are like, find the people who aren't in the club and let's convince them to be in the club. Yeah, but are they asking their seven year olds to do that? Apparently. <laughs> at least I, the, doc- the indoctrination I, I, is. I think it's more than the seven year old. The indoctrination is. Sees the parents doing that, thinks he has to do that. Where I'm sure. Sh- I'm hoping that if you were to talk to the parents, they would tell the kid, calm down or, you know, you don't have to say that to everybody. You know, find your, find your moment. Uh, not when you're so, playing. So here's the decision. Do, is it worth bringing up or do I just for, forget about it? Right? Yes, it's, it, yes, it's worth bringing up. But it's worth bringing up in, in, a, in the context of you're not mad. I know, but what if they're crazy? What if they're evangelical? What if they... Well, then they're not worth bothering with. But there's no reason to think that badly about somebody until you know that you, you should think that badly about somebody. I think it's better to think the best about people as opposed to thinking, you know, being afraid about the worst of people. Maybe I'm wrong here, but to me, if you, you have a problem with it clearly... You should bring it up with the parents and say, look, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. what you believe. It's not what we believe. But I, I would appreciate it if your son didn't uh, bring it up around Max. Thank you very much. And that's all you really have to say. Uh, and you don't have to get into a big conversation about it. But just saying, look, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with it, what you believe. I mean, they don't seem like a... Really, really. Maybe if I just brought up that Bobby told Max he'd go to hell if he didn't go to church, you know, yeah, like that might get them to be like, oh shit, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you want to bring it up about it that way, then you know. But I think you should express 
to them that you that you didn't that at least you don't blame them for it. Like it's not like you're mm-hmm. you're calling them bad parents or anything, right. but it made you a little uncomfortable, and that you um, you 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 don't want to have to. You would rather not be put in that position. Because if you are being made uncomfortable, you should mention it. You shouldn't hold it in and not do it because that's just going to make things worse in the long run. And if they turn out to be horrible people, will say, "Well, we we need your son to be to be converted to Jesus." Well, then you've learned something new about these people that now I think you're probably glad you know. Yeah, probably. Whereas if they are like normal people, which I expect they are, and they say, oh, I'm really sorry about that. We'll, we'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. You're going to feel a lot better about it, and you're not going to have the problem. Yeah, it just it seems weird. You know, I grew up Catholic. Catholic is... At least from my point of view, it was a pretty strict religion, but it didn't really have any evangelical bend to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't this: the Muslims or the Jews are going to hell. But what Bobby said today was like, you know, like if you don't love Jesus, you're done for. You know, it's like, Man. yeah, yeah. So I... it's not just Max, the son of an atheist. It's it's everyone who doesn't love Jesus, you know. You don't. You don't have to mention that you're atheist to these people either. Yeah, you just, yeah. All you have to do is say that's you know that's not the way we approach this. Yeah. If, if they ask, yeah. which I doubt they will. Um. Yeah, but I I would like you know bring it up you know like you said in in a, in a sort of <laughs> hey you won't believe what happened or something like that or I mean I wouldn't like. Walk Max over to them and be like, "You told my your son told my son blah blah blah." But just be like, "Hey, just I thought you should know this happened, and when I heard it, uh, you know, it made me made me uncomfortable or whatever. Just you know, something along those lines. You you would know better than you had to talk to them, but um, but I think I, I think that avoiding it." is not going to solve the problem. In fact, it's only going to likely make things worse. And for the kid's sake and for their sake, it's probably, for their kid's sake, it's probably best if their kid doesn't run around doing that. And if they know that their kid is running around doing that, they'll probably want to get a handle on it. Likely, because... They might just be sending their kid to Sunday school. Yeah. He's getting indoctrinated. Yeah. It might not be the family belief. Yeah. I think that, I mean, kids pick up things all the time. And that doesn't mean it came from their parents. It could come from their parents, but it could just come from something that they saw. It, it, it could be something, you know, they, they could be doing it wrong. The fact that he went to your to your kid and did it, I mean, you're, I'm sure Max doesn't care. But, I, I, you know, like I said, six-year-old. Yeah. I talked to him about it, tried to explain it, like I said, but, you know. And he wasn't really affected by it, but. At, at, at the beginning, I was amused by the conversation that I overheard. 
then the concern, like the the implications, right. the concern over the implications came much later. Right. Like yeah. I wasn't upset. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's funny. Yeah. But then I started thinking about the implications of the whole thing. I'm like, ooh. It's the kind of thing that shouldn't be reinforced in your in, in Max's friend's behavior. Kids shouldn't be evangel- evangelizing because kids don't understand. If you're going to evangelize something, okay, if that's what you want to do. But you should at least understand something before you start evangelizing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to evangelize... Um, uh, nylon versus some other synthetic fiber because I just don't understand the difference so for me to start evangelizing <laughs> nylon would be really kind of silly on my part and uh, versus polyester right and and there would be even the nylon people may really question the way I go about it since I don't know what the fuck the difference is between <laughs> nylon and polyester and maybe I'm saying things that are just fucking wrong and will hurt them in the long run. So, yeah, I don't think that kids that are, you know, seven years old are going to know enough to evangelize for Jesus. Particularly to other kids. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, I, you know, I went all through my youth as a I'm a confirmed Catholic, which is the full member of the church, right? And all that shit. And uh, the like, the question, do you love Jesus? Like, love in Jesus was not a question you were asked. Mm-hmm. It was a, here is our ritual, here is our doctrine, here is what you do. But it wasn't this whole, you have to blindly love. Do you believe in that's a question. Do you follow? That's a question. Do you love? Like, no. Like, I've never considered that question. I have more to talk about, but let me go to the bathroom. All right. Uh, while Greg is going to the the room of the rest. Oh, wow. It's after midnight already. We've been carrying on. Found a Twitter handle tonight that I uh, that made me giggle. It's Donald Trump beer. Let's read some Donald Trump beer tweets. The pres- okay, so this is a picture of the press secretary. I don't even know the dude's name yet, but he does not look cool. Quote: The president has three cases of hop slam. Period. Knows a guy. Period. This year is the best yet. Next tweet. Same press secretary. Donald Trump traded three local shelf turds for an assassin. An assassin is what toppling Goliath's imperial style, right? Um, same press secretary. Women don't even like beer. Exclamation point. If Bud Light is so bad, then why does it sell so much? Scoreboard bitches. St. Prince Secretary. Best breweries in the country? Alchemist, The Rare Barrel, Toppling Goliath. They actually outsell Yingling. That is a Trump beer geek quote. In Search of Maple Barrel Mexican Cake. Here's a Twitter handle that I found earlier tonight. Trump Beer Geek. 
So it's it's me mixing the press secretary of Trump with elite, like shelf turd beer geek, you know, trading for assassin type. <laughs> okay, beer um, geek speak. Hey, that's what I was. You had to take a leak. That's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah, feeling yeah. there. That's with. why I just said okay, and I'm moving on. There's no need to excuse it. I get it. I'm not. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, love. I, I was reading something. I, I, I was I was formulating a response to this, but I never got to post it. Um, but there was somebody who was making an argument that God is love, and the reason why God is love is because love is abstract, and so you can love only is what abstract. Oh, abstract. It's an abstract okay. concept. So let me explain it through God, because can you really explain love? And I thought, wait a minute. Endorphins, uh, you know those those hormones that make you feel good, right? That's all part of the, it. all that biology. That's part of it. But what what, what I came up with was this: um, wet. What is wet? Wet is abstract, isn't it? Uh, is a single molecule of water wet? No. Well, can you, it. so is a single model, molecule of water a fluid? No. Is two molecules of water a fluid? No. Is three a fluid? No. What? At what point does it become a fluid? It's a gradient, really. There's no real point. Here's another thing. Touch your hand to your arm. Take take your sweater off. All right. Your arm is mostly water. Does that feel wet? But it's all enclosed inside cell walls or cellular membranes. It's mostly water still. Still enclosed inside cellular membranes. Is that wet? Okay, say you put a drop of water on there. Is your arm wet now? How many drops would it take before it becomes wet? No, I hear what you're saying. Wet is an abstract concept. Does that I, mean I really, God is wet? I really would like to explore how many molecules of H2O it takes to be wet. <laughs> Well, 10 to the 24, at least, right, to get well, to something. What, what is wet? Wet is... Wet is, is a consequence of, of the actions, of, of really the, of the system that emerges when a bunch of water molecules are interacting. But with it has other. to do with... Surface tension and uh, the way that... How, but how do we... Exp- I, I'm thinking we experience wet by... The um, by the stickiness of of water to certain things, by, by the way water, uh, if you like a wet thing, uh, it, it it kind of if you put your hand on it, some of it will will pull around the various places of pressure, uh, and uh, you can lift off, and and some that will go away, and some that, are, that will, will remain. Um, if your skin's wet, I think that's the majority of that sensation is the um, evaporation cooling. Right, so it's it's wicking right. away the heat through specific evaporative heat cooling. Evaporative cooling. So if you're wet, it's mostly evaporative cooling. Now, well, like you said, love can be endorphins and a various chemical yeah. reaction. So you can pull out various parts of this. Uh, abstract concept to explain it, but can you explain the wholeness of what wet is? I don't know if you, you could pull out the various parts. It's a really cool point, right? Because it's it's not succinct. Yeah, because there's that kind of wet. The the evaporative cooling wet was my first thing. But what if you're immersed in a pool? There's no evaporative cooling at that point, right? Then it's 
it's this conductive thing, right? Because you're being cooled down because what the water around you has a, a higher conduction rate than air does. Air is a better insulator. So it's a different phenomenon, mm-hmm. but you also associate it with being wet. Right. So God is wet. <laughs> Makes me wet, man. <laughs> I think wet can refer to lots of things. Wet could refer to, uh, yeah, the, the feeling of uh, moistness in an area, uh, the the feeling of fluids uh, pooling in an area because of hormones. There's, uh, yeah, that whole thing that, that just it. it, it it was like there's so many obvious answers to this that I wanted to make a response and never got around to because I was too tired. <laughs> I saw it like two o'clock in the morning. So yeah, but, so. <laughs> but I was thinking about it like, okay, that's uh, well, I mean, that's real the dumb. Problem is when you're trying to you're trying to explain something like God through an analogy. It's gonna be easy to to break that analogy. What do you mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? So if... Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because... You no, know, if you're saying... Yeah, So yeah. he wasn't yes, saying yes. God is wet. I, I right? totally agree with you. But you mean... All these people who are on message boards trying to explain Well, no, things. he was saying God is literally love. Right, right. Right, oh, right but... Like, me, we wouldn't let, have let, love without God. Okay, let me take a half step away from that. Okay. And this may or may not get to where you want to go. But, but I do me... agree with what you're, what you're saying, which is he's trying to explain your analogy, and explaining your analogy is always faulty. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's sci- if you're trying to analogize a science fact or trying to analogize a mythological construct, you know, it's... So you're, if you try to make your argument which I've seen some of your arguments that you've made, you often analogize. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a new, it's useful tool. It's a useful tool, yeah. but how often are they a perfect analogy that, you know, the other person couldn't say, you know, here's where this analogy breaks. Here, 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 mm-hmm. and here. Yeah. Right? Where you have... Okay, so now we just poke five holes in your analogy. Five's a pretty big number to a human... Yep, that seems pretty faulty, you know. So, there's that kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. five is about the edge of where you can comprehend without actually stopping without, to without count. Without starting to count, yeah. Four to five is pretty much where most people stop being able to subsidize and, and start having to count. As right. long as they're not arranged in a, in a particular pattern, that makes yeah. it easy. Yeah, if you had a random distribution of five dots, can you tell it's five without counting them? Depends. Mm-hmm. Most people, and that stops at about four. Most people with four, you can do it no problem mm-hmm. without counting. Like in the brainstem type yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, little science y to, to end the night, maybe? <laughs> as long as you're not going to preach at me about. No, no. In fact, this stuff you already know. I just right. thought it was interesting. Um, this is a. You may have seen this before, but this is. About Sambusnady, this is that a, looks like the targeting computer for Star Wars. <laughs> well, this is a, a, a graph of, of simultaneous 
um, events okay. in in a in a changing uh, space time um, or changing space time it's uh, a changing frame of reference in space time uh, and the interesting thing so about what it, we have here is we have we have a XY grid mm-hmm. and there's a point at um, negative two zero and positive two zero or positive negative three zero and positive three zero so on the x-axis is negative three and positive three and there is this line that goes up from off the screen and it highlights when it hits each dot so it hits them both simultaneously now then they stretch space-time to the to the right first so now how do I describe this to people who can't see what's going on <laughs> I'm curious how you do it so the grid so the the cross turns into an X okay so can so I where try the X is to the top and to the right so that's the small end of the X can I try okay can we start with the uh, plane Euclidean plane that you're familiar with so yeah. there's an X and a Y uh, and there's a grid and the grid is, you know, simple boxes and is a one and whatever the, the relationship is. The 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 Y is uh, X is a C T, so C is is the um so it's C times T for the, All for the right. Y. So and the you, X grid you get beyond... is just X, so positions. This is just one dimension and, and, and the, the Y grid is time. So we have something we have a a, a Y so we have something starting from the bottom and moving to the top as time moves forward. On the plain Euclidean graph, time starts at the bottom, and from a position A, B, and C, all happens at the same time. Now, then we switch to a different perspective. Oh, okay. In so the one thing that's about this graph, as it twists, so the the x-axis goes up and to the left, or, you know, goes. It either goes up or down to the right. And then the y-axis either goes left or right. Um, but points A, B, and C, like, from your point of view, are always horizontal. The the line that goes up and hits A, B, and C always comes from... But, but A, B, and it's, C is always aligned with, with the... With the with the bottom of the, with the plane that the CT so what, and the x-axis. Okay, but, but, so but what's inter- interesting with this, Greg, is that A, A and C aren't anchored in Euclidean space. Mm-hmm. A and C are everything else is anchored on this graph, but A and C are moving each time it adjusts. Well, A and C. Well, the thing is that A and C aren't A and C are aren't moving from the perspective of B. Which is B is at the standard thing, but these are different perspectives. Of what A does and C does because their velocity is different. And the reason why you know that's the same is because there is something that is invariant here. There is something that's not changing on this graph, despite all the twists that it's doing. There's something that oh, the, isn't the gray and the black. Now, yeah, the the gray and the black form sort of an hourglass shape. Yeah. But what you'll notice is that. No matter what, in every single instance of the way this transforms, the gray always exactly cuts the bla- the grid at 45 degrees. Always. You can look closer at it. You'll see that the gray always cuts those boxes 
at 45 degrees. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, so they're not just twisting, but they're stretching in a certain way that keeps a certain perspective or ratio. That is the light line. That is the speed of light. The speed of light doesn't change for any of these perspectives. Oh, so the, yeah. So when it was across the table, I couldn't see this little label at the bottom where you have the V. Mm-hmm. What is it? Three minus. The numbers aren't too important. They, right. just, they represent you know the difference of the velocity in terms of of C. But why does A go from minus three zero to minus three one? Well, this this is a graph of simultaneity. This is from what perspective? From different perspectives, a certain event in the in the first time in in the first perspective, all the three events happen at once. In mm-hmm. the second perspective, one event happens for the others, and the second perspective, a different event happens for the others. Oh, we're, talk, we're, talk, we're talking about. So when the, the grid gets shifted, it's because we've moved. And it's because one of these observers is is at a different velocity than the others. Right. So, it's, so the transformation is this kind of transformation. And the what this kind of transformation is is hyperbolic. And I can then show you another graph to explain what that means. And that's here. And I think this is really helpful. Because this shows you what a hyperbolic transformation really is. You can sort of see how, with that graph, as velocities... Okay, so what we have here is we have the, an hourglass type shape. And then light it starts cone. out with... Yeah, light cone, okay. But it goes up and down. It's two cones, tip to tip. Hourglass. Yep. And then we have... I think it starts out with a bunch of circles inscribed around the light cone, and then also outside the light cone. And then they're kind of tilting to the left and turning into an ellipse, and then turning to the right and turning into an ellipse. And you can kind of see how they elongate is what we're showing. And now Greg will explain what that means mathematically. But, you know, you can kind of see how the area of the ellipse, circle to ellipse, changes. And it's it's inscribed on a hyperbola for you to sort of understand the hyperbolic rotation aspect of this. But the really interesting part here is that as your velocity, uh, as velocity A um, relative to velocity B, or, or velocity B relative to velocity A, if you consider velocity A to be like the standard, as it increases, as it in- moves further and further towards C, this elongates further and further. This, this gets hyperbolically further and further mm-hmm. away. So you see how uh, how this rotation is hyperbolic and how the definition of, of space and time gets so distorted hyperbolically as C goes, as you approach C, even though from all perspectives, and we can look back at this one, the velocity of light stays the same. The velocity of light is always at that 45 degree angle. What's the white line that moves up the graph here? That is just the event event. that they're all measuring. Observed from 
from all three perspectives. Our point of view, or well, from the first perspective, it's it's from say the um, (coughs) from say perspective B, B. which is there, and then from the second one, it's from. It doesn't matter which one it is. The one that fires first is that the perspective. It, 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 you can. It, I mean, it doesn't matter no. which one you call which perspective. It just I'm means missing that, something. I'm missing something okay. because if you're a B, your your vent should fire before A and C. It should be a V shaped. Like well, no, you can of, see you can see that something happened. Like, okay, let's say you're on on a platform, and lightning strikes happen around you. You'll see that they both happen at the same time. Whereas then, if you're in position A. You may see your lightning strike happens, then this lightning strike. Right, but they're showing not just A and C, but B, right? So right here, this next or the next line's come up now. Uh huh. It shows A, B, C. Yep. All at the same time, but really, shouldn't it be B and then A, C? Mm, no, because you could you could see something. Maybe it's a wave that hits you. In this case, in this case, it's happening. But it, if you're in, B, in this case, it's not. It, well, okay. Here's the thing. The point. The event is not happening at a point. The event is happening at a line. B stands at one point on X, but the event is a line. The event that's is moving. a line. The event so, is... So think about it as a wave front that's approaching you. Okay? Okay. So from this perspective, the wave hits you at a certain time, and that means hits that guy at the same okay. time, okay. and that guy at the same time. However, then now we're saying not only are A and C next to you, but A and C are moving at different velocities. And so since A and C is moving at different velocity, A is going to measure that wave front as being different. Okay, and so you talk about velocity. So this graph is not positional, but it's velocity over time, right? So mm-hmm. like right here, A is moving away from me at one unit per unit. Yeah, we're using natural units here, so one unit of X per unit C. Make C equal to one, uh, and so that means that whatever... Okay, so, okay, okay, okay. The graph really doesn't do a good job at showing velocity, because when you're showing velocity, the thing, every time that event moves one unit, A should move one unit. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's more about instantaneous appreciation no, okay. of velocity, but but the the, the point. I is mean, more... I, I could see the value of this kind of graph in describing a certain phenomenon to people who understand that prerequisite. Mm-hmm. But to a layman who sees a graph like this, the velocity is that white line. Well, that's why I'm here to explain it to you. Right. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you. So, and I, I I agree that without explanation, this graph wouldn't make sense. But I think well, that, I was trying. Yeah, I was trying mostly to reconcile this graph from my pre-existing knowledge mm-hmm. and not listen to you <laughs> because it's a Cartesian graph. I know this shit. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's it's a distillation of something else into. A well, Cartesian I mean, graph. it's talking about a transformation. Talking about a type of transformation instead of a standard rotation. A standard Galilean or standard uh, yeah Galilean rotation is talking about a Lorentzian rotation, which is hyperbolic, which again happens in this way as opposed to just a standard right. you know twist that you're familiar with. And I thought these were both cool 
obviously not intuitive, but cool visualizations of that. That as long as yeah, there it's is really some hard to determine your frame of reference, though, right? Yes. Because when you look at this thing, A, B, and C on your computer screen are always horizontal. They don't move a pixel. Right. Right. They are the only thing on this entire thing that's anchored, except for the light code. Yeah, th- this graph is not useful enough without somebody explaining it to you. But, like I said, the 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 interesting thing. By far the most important thing to understand about this is what's invariant. And that would be the fact that these gray lines are always at 45 degrees. Always. Uh, And that is... The shape of the square turns into different shaped diamonds, but always are in ratio to the light cone. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a function of those ellipses in the other one or something? Well, that, that's, a, that's a function of the way the transformation works. Right, right. But when you go to the other graph with the ellipses, mm-hmm. it, there's something right, translated the, into this, right? Yeah. So, so the, yeah, the way that these, instead of, become, instead of saying circles, they move into ellipses because those, uh, those squares, like you said, turn into rhombuses in order to stretch out so that the light line stays the same. Right. And those translate but into... I mean, but there's... If I can... If I was able to picture the geometry properly, I would see that 45-degree angle in this graph. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow. Right. Or the radians of whatever to be 45, that kind of thing. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not quite... This would be what we would call a, Minska, uh, a Minkowski uh, diagram, uh, where you have uh, space... You have time on one... And, and space on the other. And it's just a two-dimensional graph of, of space-time. This but, would be fascinating for the listeners if we had audiovisual aids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm engaged, but uh, I'm worried. I, I'll, I'll tweet these images. How about that? As soon as you post it, I'll tweet these images. Um, this is... The second one is not really a Minkowski diagram, but it's more to explain what I mean when I say hyperbolic rotation, because that, that doesn't equate to right. things easily people but here you can see the hyperbola you can see the way in which the light cone stretches into the hyperbola as the velocity gets larger and larger relative to something else well I got some got some hyperbole for you this is the best diagram ever this one that is well, that is some real hy- hyperbolic <laughs> notation I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Th- this came from me. Um, trying to, I was trying to explain it to somebody, and I realized that me saying hyperbolic rotation doesn't really mean anything to somebody who, no. isn't, who isn't I still useful. don't know exactly what that yeah. means. Uh, well, it, I, so, so refresh my memory, and of course I know this, but all the people who haven't had math in mm-hmm. forever, what's a hyperbolic trajectory versus a parabolic trajectory? So, so a parabola is essentially a ballistic trajectory. Uh, it it you know right. starts and it comes back down. Right. Uh, hyper. Uh, there, there's orbital, which essentially becomes straight. Right. An orbital trajectory won't ever come down. Won't ever go when up. adjusted for the gravity. When adjusted for you know around, around a curvature. Yeah. A hyperbolic will es- is an escape trajectory. A hyperbolic will ultimately. Leave 
right. your zone. Okay, so, so there's no coming back down. Right. So when these ellipses break, they break at the very end there. That's when it becomes hyperbolic, or well, no, it, it, the whole thing as you rotate rotates hyperbolically. So it's it rotates hyperbolically. So but instead you still of have an ellipse, or does the ellipse well, break? Remember, at a well, point? remember that when it when it's just rotating Euclidean, or, it's just or a circle. Is the, when it's just rotating Euclidean, it's just a circle that rotates. It doesn't turn into it, it's a which is a type of ellipse, but it's a specific type of right. ellipse. Sure. Right, so this this coaster, for example, uh-huh. you know, if I rotate it Euclidean, it doesn't ever turn into anything more than just a circle. However, if I rotate this hyperbolically, then this turns, this kind of goes a little bit here and it starts to elongate in some fashion because it's 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 not staying. On a, a, a standard Euclidean rotation. Don't really. That's not really a good explanation, but um, uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't really. Yeah, put so much like thought. a hyperbolic. So if you think of a flat thing, and a you know, hyperbolic rotation would be not, or a hyperbolic coming off of it, another dimension that was hyperbolic off of this wouldn't be like this, and it wouldn't be like this. It would kind of be like that so here here's a, here's one way to think about it um okay so you were talking about hyperbolic being escape trajectory and and whatnot so let me I, ask, I think i can simplify it. i want to ask a question real quick so an example when you're a comet's orbit right where it comes in really close to the sun robot whips around it that's still a parabolic that's orbit, right not always it could be hyperbolic if it was if it oh it's hyperbolic if it's only going to come in once and never going to come out again. A parabolic orbit will be one where it's going to come back. A hyperbolic orbit will never come back. Like we've seen a lot of comets come through that based on their orbit we know they're never going to come back. And what is what's what's the nature of the curve on the line that changes? That's the difference, right? Because parabolic is going to keep. Going towards the the tangent will, will will increase towards infinity instead of going to zero. Tangent. Yeah, okay. Now, now I realize I haven't had trigonometry in way okay. too long. Okay. So let me. Here, here's a good tangent way. Here's here's a good way. Towards infinity. So the tangent is. If you have a curve. Right. The tangent right. is the is you right. take a line that's uh-huh. uh, that's parallel. To to the curve. right, yes, yes, increases right. towards infinity. What? So, so this this tangent of this line. Okay, so with hyperbolic, the line is going to get closer to the tangent. So these tangents are going to get. Oh, with hyperbolic, it's going to get closer to the tangent. With parabolic, it's going to get further away from mm-hmm. the tangent. Right, right. Well, well, the tangent lines are going to get closer to your to your inner point as as this curve, or at least at some point, at two points on the extremes of on the extremes of of the two uh, polar points on the ellipse. The tangent 
line is going to return towards the uh, the radius. That, that, that's but let, let me let me describe hyperbolic for you in a different way that mm-hmm. might make more sense. Okay, if you take a a point X, okay, and you make a line in the Y direction. Okay, so you, you mm-hmm. have a you have a a, a, a number line, whatever a line that's it's an X line. You take some point and you make a line in the Y direction. Okay, and you move to X. That starts it's X zero, and you move to X one, and you make another line that goes in the Y direction. In a hyperbolic plane, there you cannot make a line that is parallel. To any other line in that dimension, so this line is necessarily going to be moving that way hyperbolically. On X two, it's going to be moving that way. On X three, okay. it's going to be moving sure. that way. So you can you can never make in hyperbolic. You can never make a line that is parallel in X in in in, in the Y dimension if the mm-hmm. Y dimension is hyperbolic. No lines will ever be parallel right. to any other line. Whereas in the Euclidean, of course, if you're on X0 and you make a line in the Y direction and, and you get X1, those two lines are going to be exactly parallel. I'm trying to... Okay. I'm trying to picture what the curves look like, right? I mean, because... So you have this at X0, mm-hmm. this at X1, this at X2, this at X3, and it's going to be all... There's nothing that's ever going to be sure. parallel to your to your line at X0. And nothing's going to be parallel to your line at X1. And no, there's mean, no way... This is a parabolic curve, right? More or less. Yeah. And they're going to loop around eventually. And then a hyperbolic curve... No. Oh. It's going to so the the hyperbolic so the, the the parabolic curve is always going to have some sort of inward yeah right it's going to so if you have right take a tangent I I, I get the tangent thing and then you know, your tangent at two different points are going to be. They're 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 always going to be. They're going to be decreasing. There must be a there must be a, a threshold, right? Because they're always going to be like on this part of the curve where a parabolic looks similar to a hyperbolic. They're going to be the tangents at x one and x two are going to be de- decreasing, but they must a hyperbolic must decrease at a certain threshold to make it hyperbolic. Right. So the hyperbolic the, the tangents on a hyperbolic curve are always going to are ultimately always going to. Uh, to move away from your point of origin, whereas the tangents on a parabolic curve are going to uh, to ultimately converge upon a point of origin. Okay. I'm going to have to do some reading, I mm-hmm. think. 
because I haven't really concerned myself with this stuff. And I haven't described hyperbolic geometry in a while, so... <laughs> I, mean, I, I haven't concerned myself with that, that stuff in forever. Usually, when I, when I when I talk about something, I, I take the time to uh, to like you know, just like any good teacher, I would take the time to to right. research it and make sure. But, I, man, I right can thing. see how the tangents are a way of measuring it, but I mean, it, like for a certain measured segment of the two curves, you won't be able to tell the difference. They're going to be decreasing, but there's got to be a, a threshold where you can calculate whether it's going to come back in or whether it's going to escape yeah yeah but usually it requires you know in general it's going to require two things one uh enough measurement that you can make the measurement accurate accurately and uh so so you have to have either ridiculous accuracy or you have to have um uh a lot of of measuring space, and the other sure. thing is an expectation that no other forces are involved. Well, sure, right? So the, the curve won't change. So as long as those things stay the same, then yes, that's true. Right, and I guess that threshold really matters on velocity, mass. You know, if you're doing orbital stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Velocity and mass and speed or uh, distance from right the thing you're orbiting. Uh, uh, when you make the impulse, right? When yeah, where the acceleration yeah, comes the acceleration, from? Yeah. I guess something that's coasting can't be on a hyperbolic trajectory, right? Well, it can be on sure. It can be on a hyperbolic trajectory from some point of origin. From mean not the thing that it's orbiting around or passing, the thing that's affecting it. Well, something you, it something in orbit can't be on a hyperbolic trajectory. Right, it's right. in orbit. Okay, but say you have, but you can. <coughs> All right, so you have. A you qu- could be at Earth and say, okay, that whatever that is, that's on a hyperbolic trajectory well, away from Earth. Oh, well, okay, but I mean, say you have something in the Kuiper belt that. Gets dislodged by a three-body interaction, right? And it flies past the sun, and it goes past the sun. It's the first time ever. It could be hyperbolic, right? It could get ejected from the mm-hmm. solar system. Yeah, it can get very, very small at some point, but it still could be hyperbolic. Yeah. Sure. It doesn't always have to come back around. Yeah, okay, so it's, yeah, so I think saying there's some threshold you have to, in the ratio of the calculations, will determine whether it's mm-hmm. parabolic or hyperbolic. In fact, a, a true parab- a true parabola will go to infinity mm-hmm. and never, and, and it will come back at infinity, right? A true maximum hyperbola right. will. Will only come back at infinity, but it's right. still bound to the system. Right. That, I think that's the thing I never really appreciate when we were doing this stuff in school. I get that. You know, it, it just keeps going and keeps going. It's closer and closer to infinity. It gets slower and slower and slower, but never. But then the hyperbola, hyperbola. I don't think I ever got that as much, right? Because that. Escapes that system somehow. Mm-hmm. 
But I can't. I'm not sure. I remember because how. there's there's one force in terms of this. There's only one force being considered. <coughs> it's a two. It's a two body system with one force. That force being gravity. In this case, but it doesn't matter what the force is called. The force can be called Schliebel. But the point is that a parabolic system will, over infinity, come back to its origin. The hyperbolic system won't. And the parabolic system will be slowed by that Schliebel force, ultimately. And the hyperbolic system is moving too fast to ever get fully slowed by that Schliebel force to hit zero. I see. Unbalanced force, essentially. Exactly parabolic force is exactly balanced. Okay. I I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to visualize like the what that means. No, it's cool. It's it's cool to to because like you know because I think you're getting it and and you're thinking. I mean, mean, it's coming back. The the parabola stuff is coming back, right? I mean, it goes like it's going to be almost a vertical line at the Mm -hmm. end there if you sample out far enough. You know, to the point where. Just one more little nudge can cause it to be... If you apply another force, right? Yeah. Or if you decrease the force. Decrease the... Yeah. But you're making the assumption mathematically that you're that that's not an issue. Now, of course, it gets really complicated when you start talking about other bodies and other forces and other things like that. Right. So... Uh, in fact, we still don't... <laughs> it, it's actually proven that we don't have an answer, at least through... Our our current method of of understanding of of a three body problem. Okay. There's no. It's too chaotic. I think it's time to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> Good talk though. Do you love Jesus, Greg? Oh boy, do I. <laughs>